Bluff City Media presents The Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to The Anthony Sane Show. This is, of course, your host, Anthony Sane. My man, Kenny Stubberfield behind the glass. Kenny, what it do, brother? It's a good day. Man, great day, man. Feeling good. Feeling good to be in studio today. Uh, got my guys from uh, uh, Attitude MMA coming in today to talk with us, my man, Scotty Swanger who's the booking manager, as well as Trey. He's so manly, who's got a big match coming up Saturday night uh, at the Cannon Center this Saturday, September 16th at 5 p.m. They're going to come in, talk about the show. Trey has an awesome story, man. Want to sit down and talk with him for sure. Uh, Got some MMA guys coming in. It's going to be a great show today. I have a a question for you, Yeah, go ahead, Before we get – about Trey. Mm -hmm. Um, Trey Manley, he's so manly. (laughs) If you not that he's so he's so he's so he's yeah. so manly he's so manly yeah. If would you you normally would probably test a dude if he had a nickname he's so manly right <laughs> right you're right you gonna test him today? no I, I I've seen him before and I'm willing to bet you I would not I'm not gonna play around with Trey he's so manly at all today Kenny Stubblefield yeah he smart business decision yeah yeah I, I came out playing around last time but now nah, I, I, after seeing these dudes fight now nah. nah sometimes you realize you can't fight. And, and uh, yeah, I, I thought I could, but when I saw these dudes, when I saw actual fighters fight, I realized, no, I'm not. If you need a sucker punch to get a fight started, don't mess yeah, with these dudes. Yeah, don't mess with these type of dudes at all. I'm not. I'm not messing around. But today's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, man. A lot of stuff happened since we had our last show. We had FIBA basketball, of course, uh, campaign uh, was released by the San Antonio Spurs. I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, a lot of stuff, man. Dudes are being nasty and dudes are being uh, monsters. In, in college football and the NBA, we'll talk about that. Uh, the Tigers got to commit. We'll talk about that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers out for the year. We're going to talk about that as Jeez, well. Uh, Coco Goff um, got a big yes. win. Yeah, that's major history. Just a lot of stuff happened, man, since the last time we have opened the show. But I will lead off with what has me, uh, my grind, my gears officially grinded. You've spent two days on this, three days on Twitter now. <laughs> yeah, man. on this. Yeah, this got you hot. Yeah, man, it's got me hot for real, man. Uh, the FIBA World Championships, uh, United States came in fourth place. Uh, Kenny Stubblefield. Last time we had a show, this was not the way that I thought things were going to go. Uh, as far as the FIBA World Championships, we talking about Canada versus U.S. Yeah, and the gold man. medal matchup. Yeah, I was I was predicting the future, man. I was predicting the future indeed. Uh, I was saying that. It's going to be Canada versus the United States. We're going to beat Canada. I couldn't wait to get Dylan Brooks, all those type of things. Yeah, man, they didn't really play out like that. Since the last time we talked, the United States uh, lost to Germany, then turned around and lost to Canada, finished in fourth place. Yeah, and Dylan Brooks just happened to have 39 points as well. Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) Tell me honestly, that pissed you off a little bit. Yeah, man, that was not not the way I I intended for things to go down. I didn't think that's how things were going to go down at all, especially the Dylan Brooks scoring 39 points part. Um... Who's to blame, Kenny Stubblefield? Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah, obviously. Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously, is the person to blame. Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't play in the game against Canada. Uh, so, yeah. It's it's very frustrating, man, because I've had people, a good friend of mine, Chuck Lawson, we were talking on Twitter, and he was saying, you know, this roster was terrible. Like, nah, man, don't do that. Man. This roster's not terrible. Bro, like, it's and, – and I was – pulling for this roster because I re- I really want to see this team win with the roster that a lot of people were questioning. Now, what are some things that were questionable about this roster? Sure. Uh, Bobby Portis, don't get it. Don't get it at all. Um, Josh Hart, 
being on this roster, playing power forward. Don't get it. You were playing Josh Hart over Cam Johnson, which I didn't understand because Cam Johnson was shooting the hell out of the ball um, in the tournament. And I he's also six eight. And he's also six eight. Yeah. So I don't. I didn't. I don't understand why Josh Hart was on this roster at all. Uh, you, the only true center you had uh, was Walker Kessler on the whole roster. You didn't play him. Period. You took Jaron Jackson Jr., who's a power forward. He's been a power forward his entire career. And you were starting him at center with no other – and we're not playing another center. <laughs> like, you weren't playing Kessler. You were only playing Jaron Jackson Jr. at center. And uh, Paolo Mancaro, who's not a center as well. He's a 3-4, if you just want to be honest about it, um, for the most part. Um, there were always concerns about that. It's kind of unfortunate for Jaron because this isn't really what he signed up for. This is um, this is who Jaron is. He's not a rebounder. He's a guy who goes out there to try to block shots, which, of course, takes him out of position to rebound nine times out of ten. And he's always played with a guy that's been a true big and the guy who's been getting rebounds, whether that's Marcus All, Jonas Valanciunas, whether it's Steven Adams, who's one of the better rebounders in the entire NBA. Am I making excuses for Jaron? No, this is kind of this is who Jaron is. He's not a rebounder. He's he's not a guy who's going to go out there and give you, you know, eight, ten, six rebounds a game. He's just not him. He's going to try to block everything that comes to the rim, and that's about it. Um, I'm not going to blame Jaron. I do. Do I think this roster could have been better? Sure. I've said that the entire time. I didn't understand why guys like Jared Allen, guys like uh, uh, Evan Mobley weren't on this team. Would it have made a difference? Probably so. I don't know. I think if Jaron was your, your starting power forward in all these games, still you're, you're starting center, you're talking about a different thing altogether. Um, another thing that I think is a big deal, Brandon Ingram gave you nothing. And I'm not trying to blame him, but he's a guy, because if you remember when Steve Kerr was building his uh, – his uh, fake-ass Golden State Warriors roster with this thing. <laughs> Building. I think he's. I think he thought Brandon Ingram would be his poor man's Kevin Durant in his, you know, fake Warriors system he was trying to build. Um, And he – because he remembered Anthony Edwards was not a starter on his team. We talked about that. How didn't, we didn't understand why wow. Anthony Edwards wasn't a starter on his team. And I think that his goal – his plan – his original plan was for Brandon Ingram to be – a key scorer on this team. I think that was his original goal, and that just didn't pan out. He just was not a good <clears throat> fit uh, for this team. He wasn't your primary scorer. Uh, bringing him off the bench didn't work either. He, he wasn't a good scorer there uh, either. Um, sad, sad stuff, man. And I've had discussions with people, like I said, Chuck Lawson was saying, it's a talent issue. I'm like, man, I just can't get with you on that. Man. You had five, all, five, five NBA All-Stars on this team. Um, guys who are very good players in the NBA, were they the best possible roster that could have put sent over there? Of course not. They weren't. But um, I think that team, I know that team is good enough to win this entire thing, man. Like there was, Steve watching Steve Kerr be that stubborn and not really get the criticism I think he deserves and they're pointing this off on the roster. Roster he built, by the way, is, yeah. is insane to me, man. And then LeBron comes out and he's talking about, you know, basically the Calvary has come in and, you know, I've got I've got KD and, and Steph Curry. You know, we're gonna we're gonna bring this thing back. Like, bro, this wasn't a talent issue, bro. No. Like, I mean, shout out to y'all. Y'all are gonna win the gold, whatever. But man, I don't don't act like don't disrespect the dudes who are out there. Right. And that and and just disrespecting the future of the league. And it's it's all kind of feels like more of LeBron kind of pat. You know, 
I used to be the guy that would kind of Le- kind of defend a lot of stuff that LeBron James does, man. But old man LeBron has really started getting on my nerves. Uh, some of the stuff he's doing. Like, this is obviously... Dude, you're going to be 40 years old when this Olympic team plays. Like, this is obviously just you um, adding something else to your res- resume to make you look like, you know, a superhero or whatever. And I get it. I mean, whatever. I don't really think LeBron's going to go out there and go hard, but I think he's going to get those guys to commit... Um, to play, I don't want to see. Le- I don't want to see old man LeBron in the Olympics. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, I'm sure they're gonna win. But I don't think I don't like. I said I don't think it was a talent issue with this particular team. I just think that there were certain stubbornness that Steve Kerr had. Um, yeah, I saw the red flags early on. Yeah, even in training camp, someone I guess probably Steve Kerr, somebody within the mm-hmm. you know United States Men's National Team, planted that story about Paolo Bancaro. They're going to test him at the five. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make any sense. Like, why are you going to do that? And immediately I was like, yo, that 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 seems weird. Yeah. Like, why are you playing Paolo at the five? And, and you played against the USA Select team, which I know had Jalen Duran on it. I don't know what other big – I think Mobley might have been on that team too. Was Mobley on that team? And, and they, they talked g- about they talked about some of the struggles that they were having against their Select team. Right. Like, bro, you could have got – like, hey, Duran. Go, go get Duran. Yeah, somebody, man. You could have did something because – Playing Bobby Portis and Paolo Bancaro, it's it just I don't know, man. It's just it's, you would think that a guy, and then you then you having people like, oh, how was, you know, how was Jaron Jackson Jr. Defensive Player of the Year? Did you see this dude last year? Did you year? see this guy? Did you see the numbers he was putting up for sure? So um, I don't look at it as the same thing we talked about this summer. As far as we were all excited that this is an opportunity for Jaron to play against the best of the best, get that experience. We didn't think it would turn out like this. But he still got that experience. I think it's going to help him. Um, some some interviewer just asked him just some awkward question, and Jaron's looking like, man, the hell with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I how think do you think it's going to help him? Um, I think, I think it's going to, I think it's going to push him, man. It's going to make him want to come out there and do better, especially when he gets Stephen with him. And I'm sure, and I'm sure Stephen's going to try to toughen him up a little bit uh, when camp starts as well. Um, I'm sure Stephen really, I'm sure Stephen's watching a lot of this. Like, yeah, I got to get with. I gotta get with with JJ for sure. Um, I think I think in total we because if you look at the numbers, the on off numbers plus minus numbers, all those Jaron was you know up there. He top was three, top three. Uh, and I think those the, the the three guys that were in the top three, I think those three guys will be on the Olympic team. Those three guys are Mikael Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think all three of those guys will be on the Olympic team, regardless of what the things that people are saying about Jaron today. Um, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to be an all-star again next year. Yeah. Probably going to be – there is a there is a chance that Jaron Jackson Jr. could be an all-NBA level player. Well, so, and they've already – I mean, the projections in Las Vegas has already put it out there that he's going to win defensive player of the year again. Again, yeah. So, um, I think if he has that type of season, there's no way he won't be on this Olympic team. Something else a lot of people um, have kind of overlooked. I don't know. I might have missed it. I haven't really been on Twitter like that. But with LeBron James Calvary that he's supposed to be bringing in, no mention of Anthony Davis, who I don't think is going to play in the Olympics. I'm sure he's a guy who's trying to preserve his body, and that's his teammate. So I'm sure yeah. if, if he had plans on playing, uh, LeBron would. Well, they better that. go get another big, bro. Yeah, like, they better get a five, an actual five. Yeah, I think it'll be, um, Jaron, um, Bam Adebayo. You'll probably see. It needs to be Jaron Allen, and it needs to be. Evan Mobley, man. You, people talking about Embiid. If Steve Kerr's the coach, I don't want to see Embiid out there setting picks no. and playing defense, and that's it. I, I, I don't want to see Steve Kerr try to turn Embiid into a decoy. 
Because uh, I'm not sure Steve Kerr knows what to do with a big man that can actually do some stuff other than set picks and rebound and play defense like Kevon Looney, uh, which he was trying to make Jaron into. But it's disgusting, man. Um, I'll say this. Shout out to Dylan Brooks for scoring 39 points. That's not who Dylan Brooks is. And there are people like, oh, oh the Grizzlies messed up. Ooh. No, he didn't. Keep watching, <laughs> Keep watching, man. Watch this. Shout out to Usher. Watch this, man. But um, It's the worst thing that could have happened to the Houston Rockets is Dylan Brooks oh, scoring 39. Oh, and Dylan, I'm the best player in the world right now. He is feeling himself <laughs> Yeah, he now. thinks he's the best player in the world. But no, literally. But no, but um, yeah, man, we've seen, we've seen Dylan Brooks look good in two-week stretches. We've seen it. We've seen it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, um, I hope he, hope he does well. I don't think the Grizzlies are missing anything at all. Like I've said before, man, I think two things – uh, really messed up Dylan's uh, reality of, of of how he perceives himself in the whole NBA, and I think those two things were playing on a team that was pure shit when he was a rookie, that was that bad, that uh, allowed him to just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. I think that messed him up, and also uh, having young guys like John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain come onto the team while he was still a young player himself, and he wasn't experienced enough to be an OG, right, or a vet. He was just, you know, he he tried to sun these guys instead of he tried to little bro these guys instead of being a vet for these players. So um, yeah, I think there's always been the case where you feel like, hey, those guys aren't any younger than me. They're not much younger than me at all. So why am I, you know, getting out of the way for the younger guys when I am a younger? So I think that all uh, uh, kind of skewed Dylan Brooks' opinion of himself over the years. Uh, also, a report coming out that uh, Devin Bain could still be a possibility to make the Olympics. Now, that would be super dope, man, if you could get uh, Jaron and Desmond Bain. I have not mentioned John Morant in these type of things. And I, it's not a uh, Josh probably going to do something that's crazy or his perception thing. It's not really that. Um, it's just it would be kind of hard for a guy like Ja to really thrive in international play, in my opinion, because he's uh, typically an international play. Your point guard is a guy that can knock down shots. As it's been your Desmond, it's been your excuse me, your Damian Lillard, your Steph Curry's, those type of guys over time. Which I also don't understand why Trey Young wasn't on um, this last uh, FIBA team. But um, I would love to see Ja out there. I don't think that's the route that they're going to go. Um, but yeah, I would love to have Ja do something that keeps him busy over the summer, as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of summers with John Morant. Um, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to be in the Olympics. But Desmond Bain. Um, would be a perfect fit. The guy can knock down shots from three, playmake a little bit. He can defend a little bit. Um, with Austin Reeves already being on the team, being on this FIBA team, I don't know. It seems like Austin Reeves probably got a spot that was would have went to Desmond Bain if he was healthy this summer. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, FIBA uh, basketball is on my mind. I'm upset, man. Y'all, y'all are kind of talking crazy. Y'all thinking it's a talent issue because I think this team is – what team? What team in in this tournament had more talent than Team Come USA? On, man. Freaking Dennis Schroeder was MVP of the whole freaking Come thing, on, man. man. Man, let's be for real, man. And like, it's I think they just kind of got mismanaged for sure. And um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes uh, going forward with the future of USA basketball. Uh, but yeah, we're about to take a break, man. When we come back, like I said, my man Scotty Swanger and Trey, he's so manly from Attitude MMA. He got a big show coming up this Saturday, man. We're gonna give away some tickets later on the show as well. But like I said, uh, Scotty Swanger, Trey He's So Manly will be in the building. We're going to talk MMA with those guys from Attitude MMA. I'm excited about this, Kenny. Excited about bringing these guys on. I'm sure it's going to be a great interview. We'll see you guys in a minute here on the Anthony The Sane Show.
Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. What is it you're going to be looking for against Arkansas State or against Navy next the week after that'll make you go, okay, these guys got it? I, I would say really over the next two weeks because these are games, let's be honest, they should, they should run these two teams out of the stadium as well. To tell this team apart from the last two years, if they're going to throttle those teams, we're going to have to see an effective run game. Sacks happen. Tackles for loss happen. That's not all on the offensive line. You can have a corner coming down, blitzing on a screen, wide receiver miss a block, and that's a tackle for loss. So they call not, them coverage sacks, right? right. Like that, yeah. Right. So it's not even necessarily in that. It's just that can they continue to impose their will up front in these games? Can they continue to have success running the ball in these games? Like if they're able to impose their will and just push back the defensive fronts over these next two weeks, then I will feel better going into Missouri and Boise mm-hmm. State and Tulane. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Of the beers you've had and ranked on this show on Tigers Untapped, what beer represents Tiger football this year? What? First of all, an incredible question. What an absolutely thoughtful question. And I'm going, which is, I think, one of the highest rated beers mm. that I've given in Memphis style lager for two reasons. One, this should be Silverfield's highest rated team. And two, I think this is going to be a Memphis style team. Grit, blue collar, hard nosed, defensive. I'm going to say Memphis Sands. Wow. They're like the aquifer. Yes. I'm going to say Memphis Sands because I think this is. Because the rest of the Americans got to filter through Memphis Tiger football to get to the championship. TJ, I like where you're at. Something like that. Um, I'm going to say because I think this is going to be one hell of a year and Memphis Sands is one hell of a beer. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Same show, everyone. I told you I had a very special guest today. My guys from Attitude MMA, Scotty Swanger and Trey, he's so manly, are in the building. Guys, what's going on today, man? Not much. Man, good. Sweating out a little bit. Yeah. I, I heard you were uh, cutting weight, man, trying to get ready for the big fight okay. Saturday. So what is what is, that was the first question I want to talk to y'all about because I was at the show last time and there was an issue with guys who uh, – a couple guys, I believe, that were trying to cut weight. And you said because of that, they had some other difficulties going on where they couldn't fight that night. There's issues that pop up that regular people wouldn't 
understand. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. a regular person, so I, I, I am too. He's the expert. <laughs> right. So uh, tell us about it, Trey. What was what was what did, what does that mean? Like when you're cutting weight like this? Well, I, w- I wouldn't call myself an expert, but mm-hmm. I have I've messed it up enough times to where mm-hmm. like I've got it kind of figured out now, and there's just a lot of t- it's a t- really tedious process, mm-hmm. and especially at the professional level. You know, you would think like, oh, you're a pro, you're not supposed to make weight. But a lot of the times when you're a pro, you're kind of having to cut more weight because, you know, guys are bigger. As an amateur, you know, you can get away with kind of being a lot closer to your weight class. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot – you see a lot of like 170 guys that really should be 55ers, but they're not going to cut because they're an amateur. You get pro all of a sudden, you're going down to 55. It's a lot more competitive. Yeah. And then that creates issues. And it's just a tedious process between the water load, the caloric intake, and also keeping your body, like, okay enough to where it can withstand the weight cut, then putting the weight back Mm -hmm. on after the weigh-in, and then being able to perform in the fight. If we only had to make weight and not worry about performing, it's a little bit easier of a process. But trying to balance the two, it tends to be a little bit of a balancing act. And sometimes things get away from you, and sometimes it – Goes the wrong way. So you're talking about like when you said going from seventy to fifty five, you're talking about losing fifteen pounds to get down to yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. one fifty five is what mm-hmm. you're saying. So if you're already, you know, like for this one, since I'm I'm going up to one seventy, I fought at one seventy before, mm-hmm. but I can wake up on that day and be one seventy. I could never wake up the day of weigh ins and be one fifty five. Right. Like I'd never be able to do that. That seems like it's extremely excruciating for your body. Because especially mm-hmm. the part you said about being able to lose that much weight. And then still be in fighter shape, mm-hmm. like to go out there and compete. That seems yeah, like absolutely. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it. Like your muscles, you have to manipulate the sodium and the potassium, and mm-hmm. you know. And then like your, I mean, even your brain. Like the the week of, like the last few days, your brain starts lagging because it your brain runs off glucose mm-hmm. and sodium, and those are really the two main things you have to cut out is like carbohydrates and salt. Right. And then your brain isn't firing on anything, and you know you're saying the wrong word, and you're just not even it's it's not even connecting, you know. So you're saying, that, have there been times where you felt like, yeah, I'm not right, or I'm not, I oh, got, yeah, yeah that's uh, wild, absolutely. Expl- explain to him like if you were doing a cut to 55, like the day of, you're already <clears throat> you're already de- like, you're already depleted. Yeah. What do you do to get that last six or seven out? Um, you're saying six or seven pounds? Li- yeah. Listen, listen, this is like after you've done, you've cut for two or three weeks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He's miserable. I've got three or four pounds to go fight day. This is a, a weigh-in day. All right. Yeah. So, like, first thing you're gonna do is, you know, 24 hours out from the weigh-in, you're gonna stop all water intake. Like you're done. And okay. then from there, it's like, okay, you may do a, a light workout or something that night, just to get the sweat out and get it off. But then, you know, you get home that night, you try to do a really hot bath. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys use the sauna. The bath now has taken over in popularity Mm because you're not just cooking your you know your whole entire body you can at least have your head out um but i mean yeah it's about boiling yourself basically yeah 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 like we we had it pretty dialed in (laughs) with my old (laughs) weight cut specialist like water needs to be 107 degrees like that's you know that's like scrotum burning yeah (laughs) it's like it's it's just hard to even get like a boil lobster yeah and then you know your body is so depleted it's like you're rolling in the sweat, and then you get out, and by the time you dry off and even get into the blankets, you're completely dry, mm. and it's taking another ten to fifteen minutes in the bath to even get sweating again. And then you, I mean, you're at the point where you're just pulling from your reserves. The more muscle you have, it helps because you got more water there. But when you're 
muscles are out of water, it starts pulling on your organs. It starts pulling from, right. I mean, and then your central nervous system just starts shutting down. Your kidneys start freaking out. You know, we've had some teammates have some kidney issues. Like, it's nothing to play around with. It's really dangerous and honestly really stupid, but we all do it. Man, that experience. sounds wild, man. I, yeah. If, if if I'm ever trying to feel five pounds lighter, I used the pops on Friday method. I don't know if you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know about that one at all, yeah, man. Yeah. But. So Thursday and Friday of five week, I don't like to answer my phone because mm. it always happens. I have a guy Thursday night. Hey, man. Um, it's usually I, me. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I had one coming from out of town. Hey, man, I fell out in the bath. Um, I was trying to cut these last few pounds, and I passed out in the head. Mm. Got a concussion. I'm out. Good God, man. I mean, you guys literally live. Uh, a fighter's lifestyle. Yeah, like think this. about it. For, for pros, like, okay, yeah, you're making a little bit of money. Like, yeah. Okay. The amateurs, they're not. Yeah, it's free. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, you're going to do this to yourself and go fight for free? That's crazy. Yeah. So why is it such a – why is it such an extreme difference? Like, why do they have to go 15 pounds? It just sounds like well, – like, why can't somebody just come up to where you are and well, you fight I mean, somebody? It, it's hard. So, like, yeah. do you, you want to be fighting at 170 against a guy that walks around at 185? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be fighting at 155 against a guy that walks around at 155? Yeah, I give you. You can be the bigger guy because you know if he's going to fight at one fifty-five, he weighs in at fifty-five on Friday. What would you weigh on Saturday? Mm. Uh, I've gotten up to like eighty-three. Before. So I mean, yeah, that's why you want to be called. You know, yeah. you want to drop <clears throat> it if you can. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's I, no replacement for displacement. So it's like you can turbocharge a four-cylinder, but a V8 is always going to have just more room, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the same thing. It's like you can go in. Maybe you're the smaller guy, you're fresher, you're not cutting weight, but if that other guy is big natural V8, you know, it starts to take its toll on you, especially in the grappling department. That's kind of yeah. where it really starts to shine. Yeah, that's wild stuff, man. It just gives me, like, more respect for how you guys even book shows, period. And I see you yeah. guys have a full card full card uh, for the September 5th, September 16th show at 5 p.m. at the Cannon Center. Um, full, card, full card, a lot of guys uh, that I remember from the last show, um, you guys put on a great show last time as well, too, man. Uh, a couple of highlights I remember was uh, a gentleman who, uh, <laughs> a gentleman that came out dancing uh, to entertain the crowd. Scotty walked up to me um, before the fight, seconds before the fight started, and said, I guarantee you that guy gets his ass knocked out in 30 <laughs> seconds. And, uh, yeah, it looked it was something like that for he sure. He beat me about 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About it was really a one, literally a one-hit uh, quarter for sure. Uh, but to the fans at home, I'll say this. I came into the uh, last show, which is my first time coming, with zero expectation. And I was absolutely blown away by the last show you guys put together. It was action-packed from beginning to end. I saw, like, some high school kids out there fighting. And I just thought it was really amazing stuff, man. Um, It was high intensity. It was was a little bit like, all right, this is a lot. Like, this is a lot of... To, to to watch guys get punched in the face and things like that. It was a lot. But it was freaking awesome, man. Like it, it, it didn't look like anything wasn't safe. You guys, for example, the guy that you said he's going to be done in 30 seconds. That guy took a punch, and it, he he didn't respond like a fighter. It didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Right. So the ref immediately jumped in and was like, all right, man. You know. Full disclosure on that fight. I did not want that fight to happen. Yeah. He actually talked to the, his opponent because I told him, I was like, I'm not, I'm not booking. I'm not doing it. Yeah. They talked and they got that together. I was yeah. like, if y'all are gonna do it, I want nothing to do with it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's if you show up, great. If not, whatever. Yeah, I, I knew what was gonna happen. Yeah, the rep, the rep stepped in immediately, and that's what let me know. Okay, these guys really value safety. So I was like, yeah, it was it was a dope night, man. I can't remember all the fights. I remember my, my man, the Vanilla Gorilla. If I'm not mistaken, he put on the show. It was it was a really good uh, show for sure, guys. So I really appreciate you guys coming back to promote this one. Uh, question for you, Trey. 
You have a dope nickname, dope, uh, Trey. He's so manly. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the nickname for sure. You're taking on Donovan Beard. Mm. The highlight reel, Donovan Beard. What should we expect in that match against Donovan Beard on the 16th? Mm. It's going to be a highlight reel one way or the other, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of what me and him both do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he is the bigger guy, speaking of the replacement for displacement. But mm-hmm. I have fought bigger guys literally ever since I was an amateur. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not really too worried about that. I trained with a lot of bigger guys. Um, when I was at American Top Team, I mm-hmm. trained with everybody was bigger than me, minus my buddy Caleb. Shout out, Caleb. Right. Um, other than that, I mean, it's going to be a fun one for sure. You know? I, I'm going to tell you what else surprised me, man. Like like I said, I was totally new. This is my first. I lost my virginity to MMA fighting that you guys show. So <clears throat> something that really kind of like blew me away was the fact that this is like high impact, intense mm-hmm. competition you guys have, and then like, cause it, to me it was more intense than boxing is. To yeah. me. Cause boxing looks like it's, it's, these days with boxing guys aren't even really even getting many punches in. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a totally different sport. But what you guys are doing looked looks a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. As soon as the fights were over, there was zero animosity. No guys like it's. Look, I, I was like, how do you master that? How do you master your emotions in the ring? Mm. That's something that I've I've worked on for a long time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, my second amateur fight, I fought one of my best friends. I literally just got done playing 18 mm-hmm. with him today. Um, you know, we both went to school together since we were in, kin- like, kindergarten. And we both wanted to fight on the same card. And they didn't have space for both of us to have a fight. So, you know, the matchmaker back then, he did some shenanigans called me, told me, yeah, dude, he said he's down to fight you. That's the only way you can get mm-hmm. on the card. He did the same thing to him. Of course, he hadn't talked to either one of us, and we were both like, damn, he said he'd fight me? All right, well, I guess I will. And then right. the next <laughs> thing you know, we were both fighting. And um, But for that one, I really let my emotions get away from me. Like our whole entire high school showed up. It was yeah, it was crazy. It you was started like, thinking about stuff that happened in school. And- yeah, and just like the, <laughs> the lights and everything. Like my first fight was in like Lexington, mm. Tennessee, and there was literally chickens outside. It was in an armory. Like mm. the speaker was broken. You couldn't even hear the walkout songs. Like it was just, it was terrible. And then the second fight, you walk out, and they're airing it on like CSS Sports, and there was tons of lights and cameras, and I was like, oh, shit. And it just it mm. got to me. And I went in there, you know, and then – I knocked my first guy out in like 40 seconds. And so then I'm, I'm fighting him and I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing. And all of a sudden that two minute mark came around and I was like, Oh shit. Like I actually have to still fight, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, I, let, I definitely let my emotions get away from me. And I just, I've worked on that ever since. Like, and it's really just focusing on the things that you can control, right? You can't give in to like, especially a lot of guys you see them giving into the uh like i gotta get them back i gotta get them back Mm -hmm. they get hit with something clean they don't make an adjustment they just immediately think i gotta get them right back i gotta get them back and then a lot of the times that that opens them up you know they drop their hands they come in too hard they're not even setting anything up they just run right at them and they end up running into something worse than what they got caught with so just keeping those things in check and remembering like sticking to your game plan and staying tight not staying like super you know, tense and just trying to crack them with everything mm-hmm. and just let your game plan work, let your setups work. And, and just literally, I used to literally have a Sharpie and I would write it on my wrist because like the glove covers everything else, but mm-hmm. I would write it really high on like the inside and the outside of my hands. I would just write a C on both sides just to tell myself to stay calm. Mm-hmm. And if I could see it out of the corner of my eye through my guard, I'd always just mm-hmm. and just breathe and, and try to stay chilled out. 
Yeah, that's some wild stuff, man. Scott, this question for you. You are the uh, booking manager for um, for the organization for Attitude and MMA. Uh, question I have for you. Man, I was I was sitting at the house one day just, like, randomly watching TV, right? And the show comes on, and it's – I think I was watching, like, A&E or something. But it's, like, literally little kids doing MMA, yeah. right? And I was like – Okay, I was ask Scotty about the next time I see him. So, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, when I say little kids, but I mean like seven, so eight they year actually, old kids. They wanted to come film mm -hmm. us. We had an organization that had kids MMA. It's right. not like they do it. Yeah, I, mean, I saw that. I noticed that no, part. Yeah, there's no headshots. Mm -hmm. It's all body shots. They're you know they're padded up, but I mean it really does prepare you for the next level. Like mm -hmm. Ethan Birmingham was like the champ of that mm -hmm. the kids organization. Okay. He's a multi-promotion um, champ as an amateur. He's like three and zero, four and zero as a pro right now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's where these kids are starting now. Like you know, you play basketball when you're yeah. four or five years old. That's his point. He's like he was like in every other sport. If you're going to be good at it, they have minor leagues, they have little kid leagues that, and that's you know common. Peewees. Yeah. So for this, it has to be you have to have it as well. And I, I instantly was like, yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not the path I want my particular son to be on. Well, but I, mean, you think, like, I not, get it, though. Yeah. They're not getting knocked out. There's, yeah. no, there's no shots to the yeah. head. I mean, it's, it, it looks weird. It's a bunch of body shots. But yeah. they're getting the ring time. So, okay, now I'm 18. Yeah. I can get in a real fight. I've been here before. This right. isn't yep. new. Because more times than not, you see guys making their debut. They hit the curtain, and their face changes. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, this is mm -hmm. there's people. This is weird. Like This isn't mm -hmm. like a practice. This yep. is different. And mm -hmm. I've seen it happen hundreds of times. And when I saw, when I was watching the show, I saw, like, little kids may cry or whatever, but the emotion part we were talking about where you're not ready to fight, it is, it is like after the fight is over, the kids were showing sportsmanship towards each other. I was like, man, how? Like, you know what I mean? And I thought it was, it was I was super intrigued by that whole thing. Uh, but with that being said, Trey, when did you get started? Uh, what was actually, your path to where you are now? I actually started boxing when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and I had my first, my first boxing match when I was eight, and it was not as safe. Is that there was no like there were probably headshots? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, we were like I dropped the kid like three times, mm -hmm. um, and I had, I did a lot of those when I was a kid, and then my mom found out, and that was a big no no because she's got two of her brothers were boxers, and one of them was in the Olympics in the sixties, and my dad boxed in the Navy. She just didn't like the idea of it. Mm -hmm. So like eight running the streets underground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, actually I told that whole story on the, and off the bench. And then I got told by somebody, I wasn't allowed to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Apparently it's like <laughs> people did jail time over that, but yeah, it was cool. I had a lot of fights when I was a kid. Scotty, looking at the card, like I said, it's an action packed uh, card. You guys, guys got going on. What are some of the highlights, some of the matches you think that, that people should be tuned in to watch? So it, it's interesting, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I had Jarius Gill booked against Paul Kimball. Um, uh, well, I wanted that fight. Jarius fought last time, right? Yeah. He knocked that dude out in like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay, I yeah. remember this. So he, okay. he took a short notice fight against Danny Barlow, who is our 170 champ. Uh, they fought on different promotion. Um, and I'm not – like if I tell you I, I want to fight for you and you take a – short notice fights against, you know, one of the top guys in the area. I'm not taking that away. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted him. So he lost that fight. He's still going to fight. We're good. Uh, it's for the 170 title. I've got a 170 right here. Well, who says, you know, if, if he wins, he, he doesn't want a 170 title shot. Yeah. So, we, we again, I don't know that that's going to happen, but mm -hmm. it's it's a possibility. Um, we've got I mean, we got three amateur title fights, uh, 155, one, 155, uh, I got 
145. I've got two number one contender fights at 85 and heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Travis at 85 is his teammate. Um, you know, we're, I'd like to see him get a, a shot at a belt if he can get a win here. Parker Rye is a heavyweight who, you know, he's probably one fight away from a heavyweight uh, title fight. Uh, we got kids wrestling again. Yeah, I see that. Always fun. I see that. Your boy, uh, your boy Stewie coming back. Yeah, Stewie's coming Jeremy back. Jeremy Stewart. That's exciting. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I got to be here, man, for sure. Um, Trey, something that you do, you're one of the trainers for um, Memphis Judo and, Judo and Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that like, being able to have people who are your students and just teaching them to cry? Um, I mean, it's cool. I like it. I've, I've actually grown to like it because mm-hmm. I never really, I've always found myself ending up in a coaching position without ever really wanting to be. Mm-hmm. My first gym I was with, they kind of, there was like a little bit of a split. Guys went separate ways and it kind of left me because I'm a little bit too loyal, I think. Right. And it left me as just kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'll kind of teach these guys. And then the same exact thing ended up at the gym I was at after that, right? Mm-hmm. And we all actually just kind of moved and then I ended up doing the same thing there. And that was a big part of me going to American Top Team was just because I was like, I don't want to be in control. I want to just literally get on a schedule, be a part of a team, right? And mm. I was like, that's what professional athletes do. Football players are a part of a team. Everything's scheduled for them. Same with basketball. And I was like, I'm looking for that. And I had, you know, four years of that down there. And when I came back, I've it was more so just what I learned was a little bit further ahead mm-hmm. of – the things that were in place. Um, and I, I just have a little bit of a way of articulating it, I guess. In the, like Some guys are amazing fighters, mm-hmm. but maybe they, may, they might not be the best at explaining something to someone, right. like helping it click. And I think I, I do have a little bit of a talent in that area, just helping things click with guys. And so I just basically found myself kind of being tasked with it. Like, hey, will you get some of these guys up to speed? Will you teach them what you know? And then that took over for me, actually ended up, like, leading the program. And, mm-hmm. you know, at first I used to tell everyone, I was like, look, I don't give a shit if you get better. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't care if you win fights. I don't give a damn. Don't even call me coach. I'm not your coach. I just need to make you good enough to where I'm not whooping your ass every second of the day. Like, right. I need you to get better to help me get better. Right. And it was, like, really selfish at the at the beginning of it. Right. And then, you know, you start, like, seeing guys that didn't even really know how to throw a punch, and, you know, they're going out there, and it's like all of a sudden they're knocking guys out with mm-hmm. the stuff that I showed them. Like, the, one of the first guys that – sorry, he was the f- one and only guy that showed up to my very first class I taught. Mm-hmm. It was Keith Dowell. And – Keith, your, his striking was absolutely terrible. And I will say that on record and to his face. Like, <laughs> and he will say that. Uh-huh. His striking was abysmal. And literally after working with me for like a month or two, like he goes out there and knocks his next, next dude out with our warm-up, like what we were doing for a warm-up drill. Mm. And, you know, I was just like, okay. And then like start getting invested. You see T knocking guys out with the setups I showed him. Trevor, mm. same thing. And I was like, okay, this is like – we're actually onto something. Then I find myself like super invested in them. Then I'm actually trying to make them better. Mm. And I found myself kind of caring, which is weird for me, but I was like <laughs> actually giving a shit about them. And I was like, changing you, man. Yeah. And then especially you going through, you go through the losses with them too. Mm-hmm. And it's different when you're like a, a teammate and you're just kind of like, ah, you know, he'll be fine. I'll be back in the gym. And then my mentality switched from like, oh, I hope he's not too banged up so he can get back and help me train. Right. To like, now I'm seeing 
these guys win and lose, I'm seeing, because they're all my friends too, so mm -hmm. I'm seeing how they're, like how it affects their mental side, how their life is affected, how it affects their relationships. And like, I am literally a part of that at this point. And I'm like, all right, I'm a little bit too invested now. So I'm kind of stuck with Look it. Look at that, man. They, they, had warmed, they had warmed up their cold heart. They did. Man. They warmed it up a little bit. <laughs> man, I'm, that you were talking about the team aspect. Like, I'm I'm really like blown away by all this. Cause like, like I said, I didn't know anything about MMA before I went to you guys. So, and now I've got like, I'm super excited about all this. You know, I can't wait to go. Um, the team aspect, that whole thing kind of kind of blew me away too. Cause I'm like, okay, I didn't know it was this big of a culture here in the city of Memphis, where mm -hmm. you've got all these different teams, these different organizations that are teaching people where you can go and learn, and then you guys are competing against each other. It seems like there's a certain level of com camaraderie. It didn't seem like there's you right. may have you may tell me something totally different, but it seems like there's a lot of respect between the different teams in the city of Memphis as well. Yeah. Absolutely, there is. I, I mean, and I think we've we're all on the same page, mm -hmm. and it is an unfortunate page. It's like we're all on the same page, and we're, we're just on different lines of the same page. And mm -hmm. like, I know if you asked every single person, we would all love like all the different teams. We would love to be under one roof. We would mm -hmm. all love to be able, and we do try to like go back and forth and train with you know each teams and kind of show love mm -hmm. in different areas. But sometimes. You know, without going into a lot of detail, like, you know, I know back in the day there was a lot of ego stuff in the way. And then, you know, some of the ego drops, but then there's a little bit of Memphis is still a small pie. Right. And everybody wants the biggest piece, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the main thing that gets in the way of everyone coming together all mm -hmm. the time. But I do think we do a good job of, like, you know, we'll go out there and compete. We'll shake hands. We'll be friends after. Sometimes it goes yeah. for them. Sometimes it goes for us. You know, it's never really any bad blood. It's just like, all right, you know, we'll see y'all next week. You yeah. got to think too. So, if they're all on one roof, then we're bringing guys from out of town to fight them. Yeah. Say the out of town guy wins. Yeah. All the time. Well, now we're just bringing guys in to beat Memphis. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's hard. Yes, they would all like to train together. I think. But also, they need fights, man. Like, these yeah. amateurs, like, it's hard to bring guys there from out of town mm -hmm. to fight amateurs. Mm -hmm. There's no tape on some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, with everybody being separated, it's still kind of you can make fights easier yeah. for these guys. Yeah. What do, you, um, what do you think the next level is for local MMA, for the fights that you have? Like, what's, what does the next level look like? Man, same thing as last time, man. We, we want to get these guys on the map, you know, mm -hmm. Atlanta. Memphis, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi. We want to get these guys fights and then go. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. A uh, little plug. Tonight, our 155 champ, A.J. Cunningham, hmm. Arkansas kid, transfer law school MMA, is fighting on Dana White Contender Series. If you don't know what that is, he brings Dana White, UFC hmm. brings guys out uh, to fight. Basically, it's empty arena. Um, you impress, you get a contract. So our 55 champ is there tonight. Uh, he's the second fight, so. Great up, man. Dude, that's so dope. A dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two a weeks dog. from two weeks later, Danny Barlow, our 170 champ, Dana White Contender Series, fighting for a contract. His teammate, Rambo Forrest, Dana White Contender Series, fighting for a contract. So Memphis is getting looks. That's that's, what's that's up. what we want. Like we told you last yeah. time. Come get this belt and get go. We mm -hmm. want to see you guys on the big screen. Like, dude, we love having yeah. we love having the guys here. Love it. It's so much fun. But Put butts in seats. It's great. Yeah. Seeing the guys on TV, dude, Memphis, like, Memphis made it. Yep. Like, it's bigger yeah. than just one person. Yep. Yeah, it was and a the guy. The guys know that. They know that. They know, like, man, I got the city on my back. 
I think it was uh I think it was the vanilla gorilla that they interviewed him and he was talking about I think he was talking about what you were talking about, the the, the Dana White thing, wasn't he? Yeah, because uh, then he could have shot it. Some, somebody was saying oh, something about it. there was about. a dude, okay, that he, there was a guy he was going to fight that was getting a look. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, that guy that he was going to, that he wanted to, that he mm-hmm. was training with for, for T, uh, just just got a contract. He won, oh, last, wow. he won last week on Contender Series. Mm-hmm. And for anybody, I'm telling you, man, when you come out here, like my expectation, I've been to, you know, different things in the city, whether it be wrestling or boxing, whatever. But you guys, this was like TV presentation, man. You guys had ring girls, cameras everywhere. It was live streaming. You guys had announcers on the side. I was like, man, this shit legit. Well, like, you, like it when was. You've been to shows like he's talking about, uh, where there's like chickens running around. Oh, like, yeah, we, we try to like. <laughs> nah, this it, wasn't that it, at it, all, it man. Take, it takes time to kind of like. We like what this show does. We like. We don't like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to kind of find what works. You know, we we've kind of found like that the happy middle where you know the fighters are happy, the production mm-hmm. is good. And that's really all we want, man. Like yeah. We want when these guys have highlight reels, it looks good to get on out, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, like I said, I'm a big advocate for the city. Uh, people who watch this show, they say they like my show because they I introduced them to things going on that they didn't know were going on. I didn't know what you guys were doing. I knew, I knew, I knew it was happening, but I didn't know it was you guys. Like I said, it's it's a gem, man. I'm not gonna say it's a hidden gem because we've definitely uncovered it. You know what I mean for sure. Uh, love what you guys are doing, man, for sure. Ken, you got you got some stuff for him. I know you're big into the MMA community as well, man. Yeah, Trey, like, are you, so are you from Memphis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was assuming you were. Yeah. yeah, born and raised, and then I had a little, that little four-year stint down mm-hmm. in Coconut Creek. And yeah. And came right back, and it's home, man. What, uh, what was your start? Like, what, what, did you see a fight? Or did you, were you, uh, you said you started boxing at eight years old. Yeah, but- yeah I boxed from like eight to 12 and when my mom kind of nixed it you know it was back before all this like science stuff came out my mom was just like no you're better off in a football helmet throwing your body at people at 100 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. so uh played football for a long time and then I actually had a little I was in a little trouble in my teen years uh when I was 17 I was on house arrest and every scholarship that I had just immediately went away mm. and I was like okay well you know I want to do something. And I had always, even for the last two years that I was playing football, like one of my best friends, he had, he had got into MMA and I had been to some of his fights and I was like, man, I want to do this so bad. I even wanted to train with him, but I really couldn't because I was like, I don't want to get hurt and, you know, football and whatever. So after the, after that kind of went away, I was like, okay, let me think. There was one school that still was like, you know, we'll, we'll still work with you on something. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of did the math, and I was like, you know, there's three short white guys in the NFL, and they all play for Bill Belichick, <laughs> and they weren't on house arrest as a kid. They right. weren't like, you know, they're probably good citizens. Right. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I should give this fighting thing a go. And I was like, I'm probably not going to go pro playing football, but I can definitely go, because I was watching some of the local pros mm-hmm. at the time fight, and I was like, you give me six months, and I can hang with that guy. Yeah. You give me a year. And I might go toe-to-toe with him. You give me two years, and I can beat that dude's ass. And sure enough, you know, within that two years, I was sparring with those same guys, and it, was going, it went exactly what I said. So yeah, I was like, man. all right, this is, this is the ticket. This is what we're doing. That's what I'm talking about for sure. Uh, final question for you. Uh, uh, you were speaking about how your mom was saying she'd rather see you play football. There's always been this stigma about MMA that it's dangerous and all these type of mm-hmm. things. 
what do you say to that? Because you you were speaking. It sounds like what you're saying is you think this is less dangerous than playing in the NFL. We know about the NFL head injuries and right. concussions, all those type of things. Like I said, I was impressed about how even though it was it was a culture shock to me to see it, mm. it looked safe still. Yeah. So what do you say to that for people who say that it's not a safe sport? It's not. Okay. It's not a safe sport at all. <laughs> like if you're if you're doing the kid stuff and you're throwing body yeah. shots, yeah. But I mean, you know. I mean, think about it. There's there's two different ways that you can get separated from consciousness in there. Mm. You can either get knocked out or you can get choked out. Every limb on your body is always at a possibility to be broken. Mm-hmm. You have the weight cut, which is a thing. I mean, literally, me cutting weight, I've been on the brink of actual, literal death and had to pull out of fights because I didn't do it right. And I've tore my lung like three times mm-hmm. just from that. The kidney issues that you see people have, I mean – it is not a safe sport by any mm-hmm. means, but that says something about the people that are willing to do it and yeah. the people that are not just willing to do it once. Cause I don't know what the percentage is, but there's probably a lot of guys out there that, man, they probably hit up Scotty for fights or they, you know, mm-hmm. call their buddy and agree to fight. But there's a lot of people that will make that walk once, but how many people are going to go out there and do it 20 or 30 times over the span yeah. of their yeah. career. And it's like, you know, it's not safe. There's yeah. a lot of risk in this. I mean, there really is, but, it's is it worth it to you is it worth i know it's worth it to me yeah you know so it says something about the guys that are just willing to put that risk on the line over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah it says we're done yeah. you think it's, uh, <laughs> you think it's safer than boxing? do i think it's safer than boxing uh in certain ways like in boxing you're not going to snap your leg right and we've seen guys like mm-hmm. get kicked and whatever or they throw a kick and their their leg breaks you're not probably not going to break your arm in boxing either okay you break a hand i've mm-hmm. done that in two or three fights um now, the amount of punches that you're going to take over your career in boxing, like, I remember I fought my last three fights. My last three fights, I got hit a total, like, in of connected shots to the face. I got hit a total of five times in three fights. Mm. And there's a lot of guys, you know, they can go in there and wrestle and not even get hit once. So, you know, I think at the there's one sure thing about boxing, you're gonna get fucking hit in the head yeah you're going to that's a guarantee they'll give you 10 seconds to get up yeah Yeah. you get 10 seconds to get up so i do think that the head trauma aspect is definitely more prevalent Mm. in boxing but then again it's like what's to say that you don't get hit let's say you're a wrestler and you don't you don't get hit for you know three fights in a row because you wrestled guys but then you go in there and get shin kicked in the dome in your next one so it is a dangerous thing but that's what we're doing yeah man i've got a ton of respect for you guys I became an instant fan that night. Me and the crew will be back again. <laughs> like it, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm in for sure. And you guys need to do the same thing, man. I'm telling you. Saturday, September 16th, 5 p.m. at the Cannon Center. Y'all know where it is. Come check it out. Full, full card, man. We're gonna put the card up on the screen so you guys can see it. But my man Trey Manley, Trey, he's so manly. He's taking on uh, Donovan Beard in the main, the co-main event. Saturday, September 16th. Be there, man. I'm telling you. I thought I could fight. I saw these folks who can fight for real. So I realize then I can't do shit. But yeah, y'all go check it out, man. My guy, Scotty Swanger. My man, Trey Manley, gonna be in the building. Come check him out. About to take a break. When we come back, it's gonna be the three pointer here on the Anthony Sane Show. See you guys in a minute. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. 
When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. Colorado this year is like if if college football added an expansion team and people were acting like they knew how that team would play. Right. In the history of college football, we've never been able to say this is a completely, entirely different from top to bottom coaching staff, players on the field, yeah. new team. I think at the collegiate level, that schemes and all that stuff matters to an extent. But I think being a leader of men at the yeah. collegiate level is more important than anything else because you're dealing with 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Right. And not only do you have to get them to believe in the schemes and the system and the plays that you're running, but you have to get them to believe in, in you, you as a coach and yeah. your coaching staff, and you have to get them to believe in themselves. Yeah. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Sutton Smith out of the backfield. Or in the slot. He's a playmaker. Getting the ball. Is this like fourth and five on like on the five yard line? Or yeah, I think that's the big that, that's the big question is where are we at on the in the field, right? Like doesn't matter, you need five yards. Yeah, I think it does matter though. It does matter. Because the easy answer for me personally, I think it'll be a land fear. That is a Kevon Davenport type answer. (laughs) You forget how big he is, and he's not like the flashy tight end of yesteryear that we've had. I think if TJ at this point last year had said, I don't want to say his name, but our previous tight end. Our previous tight end. Uh we probably had the same reaction. Yeah, I, I think that he is going to be better than expected. I don't think it'll be a 607-yard receiving tight end type of situation. I don't think it's going to be. I also be. don't know that you need him to be that. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Welcome back to the three-pointer here on the Anthony Sane Show. Shout out to my boy, Scotty Swanger. My man, Trey, he's so manly. Coming in, awesome interview with the guys from MMA, man. I'm starting to be a real vet hey, in man. this MMA thing, man. Big announcement, real, man. man. I took him down in the hallway, bro. Oh, you lying. You lying ass. I shot a double leg and took him down, bro. Yeah, you got your ass took down for sure. <laughs> took your ass down through there for sure, man. Can't wait to get with those guys uh, this Saturday, man. No, something else this Saturday going on, man. I will be... Breaking the guitar for 901 FC before the game. 901 FC playing this Saturday. I'm going to be breaking the guitar, man. We're going we gonna to do that. And we're going to uh, the MMA shows. It's going to be off the chain, man. I can't wait. Do you know what we call this, bro? Man. Pop Star, Star Weekend. Man. Yeah, Pop Star Chronicles, man. Another, Pop Star Chronicles. Another Pop Star Weekend in the building, man. This is what we're we about to do, man, for sure. Y'all know what it is, man. But the three-pointer, where I talk about three things going on in the world of sports that matter to me, man. Y'all tune in because y'all care about what I want to talk about. So here it is, man, the three-pointer. 
Uh, we're going to make this an and one, man. How about it? Going to make this a three-pointer and one. For I'm ready sure. for it. Uh, my man, number one, Aaron Rodgers, out for the year. Jesus. Man, sucks to be y'all, I like Jesus. to say. <laughs> man. You know what, bro? I've heard people, I was riding in, and I heard uh, Gabe Kuhn, and, 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 and he was, you know, just, you know, feeling sorry for uh, the Jets and all that. I don't feel sorry for y'all, man. Like, you guys are like a rat organization who drafting bad, all these type of things. You try to, like, save it by going to trade for some 40-year-old-ass man. No, man, I don't I don't feel bad. This message is hilarious to me, bro. <laughs> you got to feel a little bad. No, I don't feel anything bad, man. Like, this is hilarious. Y'all traded all this way to get this old-ass man. He, Aaron Rodgers wasn't even good last year, man. Are you kidding me? No, he wasn't good. Bro, I don't feel no ways for that dude at all. Did you see the video, though? I'm sorry. Let me let me fix it. Let me clean it up. I feel a way for him. Yeah. But I don't feel any way for New York. Did Jets you see all. the slow-mo up close to his leg? No, haven't seen any of them. Bro, oh. the Achilles, you can see it pop, and no, you no. see it roll up terrible. the back of his damn that leg. That terrible. But yeah. um, like I said, I feel for him. I don't feel for the Jets at all. Like, no. Draft better. Like be a better be a better organization, man. You trade away you trade away everything for uh, whatever many years of left for Aaron Rodgers you got. One less now. Oh yeah, it's, shit, it's, man. That thing, they're gonna be shit. After, I mean, they still have a very good defense. They look good. They got the win last night uh, over the Buffalo Bills. But yeah, man, I don't know. No, your boy Wilson. If I was him, I'd be like, yeah, man. Now what? <laughs> you, you know the story about Zach Wilson, right? Uh. Uh-uh. Wasn't he the one that, and Parrish is a football guy, wasn't he the one that uh, got busted out for cheating on his wife with his know. mom's best friend? He looked like a real F-boy, though. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, that is F-boy personified right there. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers out for the year, praying for your brother, but I don't feel bad for the Jets at all. Sorry. Uh, number two, Coco Goff wins the U.S. Open. Shout out to her for sure. A melanated queen. Won her first Grand Slam victory, man. She said her dad used to take her to the U.S. Open to see Venus and Serena back in the day, man. That's what I'm talking about, man. 19 years old. Um, she outlasted the number two seed, Arena Sabalenka. Nice job, bro. There it is. Who's now the top-ranked uh, player in the Women's Tennis Association. She she lost a couple of first sets, and she lost this one. Yeah. She lost this one, 6-2. Came back and won 6-3, 6-2. And got that big, got the you know U.S. Open victory, man. Amazing. Sure. Uh, Amazing. She became the eleventh teenager to ever win a Grand Slam singles title, and the question now becomes: How many more will she win? Nineteen years old, man. What were you doing at nineteen? Uh, like everything I was doing. <laughs> yeah, tell me everything you did. Um, wasting time and money at the University of Memphis. There I was you go. She's out there winning Grand, Grand Slams. Slams, man. Shout out to Coco Golf, man. Number three, Kenny Stubberfield. Um, Jared Harris commits to the University of Memphis. I know nothing about his brother. Same. His brother at all. He's a four-star guard. Uh, some people list him as a combo guard headed to the University of Memphis. Some people say that just he's a means he guard. can't shoot. That's right. <laughs> well, he can't. Well, he's not a good point guard. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Combo guard does not mean what he used to say. Yeah. Man. When college guys come in as a combo guard, it just means he's either a point guard that can't shoot at all, or a, or a point guard that like really can't. Dribble. Dribble or has no court vision. <laughs> exactly. And he's undersized. But um, here I, this is where I am, man. I'm, I'm so arrogant when it comes down to uh, Penny Hardaway and his recruiting. 
I don't care about this high school kid, nah, man. bro. This kid's going to come in for a year. He's going to be mad. He's going to leave, and he'll be playing for somebody else the year after, man. NIL me, man. Tra transfer report to me, man. I don't have time for these dudes. You know, my first when I found out that he committed, you know what my first question was the person who told me? Where is he going next year? Where is he going next year? <laughs> the year after, yeah. Like, is he, like my, my, my response was, is he an actual take? Yeah. Like, will Penny Hardaway take him? Oh, you mean, oh, I get you saying, will he ever play for Memphis? Yeah, is he ever going to yeah. play for Memphis? Yeah, I can see that. Been a lot of guys who've, who've made that commitment and uh, ended up going somewhere else. Uh, says that Harris committed to the Tigers over Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, DePaul, Illinois, Kansas, LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. So the question now I ask is, who's one of those schools he's actually going to play for? Because uh, I don't think he'll end up being here. I don't, I don't, that's not based on intel. I'm really, I'm really just screwing around. But, uh, yeah, man, shout out. The first commitment of the class of 2024, uh, Jared Harris, uh, headed to the University of Memphis for now. And now for the and one um, on the three-pointer, uh, two nasty stories, man, two very disappointing stories. One, I'll hand this one over to you, uh, Mel Tucker, uh, head coach of Michigan State football team, caught up in some nasty stuff and harassment charge for someone who was a rape survivor, I think, yep. assault survivor or something like that. Um, not, I saw, only she, I, not only is she a rape survivor, Anthony, but mm -hmm. she's also a somebody who was raped by football players at Baylor University. I think that's Wait, where she what? was at. She started a, she started a um I saw this story and I was like, okay, man, I don't have the energy for this. She's, I'm not I'm not gonna look into this. So she's you, an advocate you, yeah, started a, a nonprofit called Set the Expectation, where she mm -hmm. goes across the country and talks to uh football programs, comes in and basically shares with football programs, basically how to engage with women on their college campus, mm -hmm. um, and Michigan State was one of the her one of her spots where she was supposed like that was where uh, kind of a success story for her big big time program brought her in did all this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. then this story drops yeah man it's and I seen Clay Travis try to defend this stuff man get the hell out of here man. It's, it's crazy how dudes like that just come in and just do nasty disgusting stuff man and. So Mel Tucker was he accused of actually doing something to her, harassing her? I didn't really. I no, I do no, know I nothing you. about this story. Well, basically, there was unwarranted advances. Mm -hmm. um, Thirty-six minute phone call where he was uh, pleasuring himself on the call okay. with her. Um, he's basically coming out and saying that it was war that it was um, uh, what's the word consensual mm -hmm. that she pursued it and he pursued it. And now she got upset and is turning this around on him as a Title IX accusation. And, and 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 I'll just say this, man, like there are it is it is there's one thing that's common about these kinds of stories, mm. and that's that the people that are in positions of power will always be believed over the people that are not. Yeah. And yeah. and the level of yeah. hoop jumping that people go through to explain away why Brenda Tracy is not a reliable person when it comes to this story. Mm is pretty absurd and obscene and and I think it's par for the course and it's just it's it's sick. Yeah. So yeah man. We'll we'll definitely hear more about this, but uh Mel Tucker, get your stuff together, man. Um other part of that story, we talked about the nasty, now we're talking about the just monsters. Uh Kevin Porter Jr. accused of assaulting and strangling his girlfriend, WNBA player the former WNBA player, uh, yeah, I got the first name right. This one I will not get right. Kenneth Stubblefield. This young lady's name was Kisri Gondrizic. Which uh, might, that was might good. Be right. That was right. Uh, she used to play for Indiana Fever and the Chicago Sky. Uh, basically, the story says that uh, Kevin Porter Jr. 
allegedly uh, was out late um, that night. And she was out late. She was out late. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. was out. And um, let me see. Hold on. Yeah, it says that Porter returned early Monday, Monday morning from an evening out um, to the Millennium Hotel near the UN Plaza where he and Gondrezic were staying. Gondrezic was upset with the late hour of his return and locked the door. According to police uh, police sources, once he entered uh, with the help of hotel security, Porter beat her up, beat up the woman, the sources said. Uh, upon arrival, officers were informed that a 26-year-old female sustained a laceration to the right side of her face, was complaining about pain to her neck. Uh, the spokesperson said a preliminary investigation on scene determined that a known individual struck her multiple times upon her body and placed his hands around the neck. So basically, he stayed out too late. She locked him out of their hotel room. Because of this, he got security to let him into the room. He goes into the room and allegedly beat her down, basically, while she was mm. asleep. Um, wild stuff, man. Kevin Porter Jr., a guy who's um, kind of had a pass. A lot yeah. of teams passed up. He was a you know, huge talent, but a lot of teams you know, passed up on him coming out of college because of uh, his past. Um, just a guy who's got a lot of dark, dark, dark demons, man, for sure. And this is a really bad story. And, and I'm willing to say that you probably won't see Kevin Porter Jr. play this season at all, if at all, again. Um, this isn't flashing a gun on Instagram. This isn't, you know, some of the other things you've seen guys get involved in. This is this is nasty work, man. This is, you know, li literal physical abuse of someone, assaulting someone, and strangling as well. So, um I'm willing to say that we won't see Kevin Porter Jr. play again this season. This is a guy who already had a ton of red flags on him anyway. Yeah, he There's did. a lot of concern about him. Um, this is a guy who just had a really dark past with a lot of demons that he's had to he's, he had to battle against. Um, Does the Miles Bridges situation tell us anything about how the NBA is going to respond? Uh, with Bridges, Bridges didn't play that entire season. I want to say Bridges stuff didn't didn't happen. Happen around like seeing. It's like it happened around this same time. About the same time. Yeah, like they're doing the offseason. So Bridges didn't play. Um, I, I don't expect Porter to play this season at all. There's no way Houston's going to trot him out there uh, with these type of accusations being on him. Uh, nasty stuff for sure, man. But, yeah, that's it, man. The three-pointer uh, here on the Anthony Sane Show. About to take a break, man. When we come back inside the same brain, y'all might enjoy this one, man. This is something. I want to I get your thoughts on this for real. I might just be a snob. I don't know. We'll talk about this when we come back on Anthony Sane Show. This will now be the second or third year in a row that in the preseason we've talked about, we've heard the coaches talk about, this is Rock Taylor's year. This is yeah. now this, that, and the third. This is the first game where I saw an, an extended period of time where he was impacting the game on a very real level. The question has never been talent. Like this is a kid that was very highly rated coming out of high school, was a four-star at one point, was a Tennessee commit. This could be the year that he puts it together. And it's a year that Memphis needs him to put it together because they need 
an intermediate guy. They need a guy that can play underneath. Like you said, you mentioned the speed of Demir Blencumsey and what he does as far as stretching the field and being a slot threat. Right. Uh, Towski Dove is a big player, but he's more of a, like a 50-50 ball down the field. Go yeah. get it. Rock would be like your intermediate, middle of the field, dig, slant, skinny post. Like that's the guy for that. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. He has a very strong arm. So his downfield passes, I, I think, can be really good. We just haven't been able to see them yet, right? We talked about skates. He had Calvin to throw to as well. So he's had downfield threats. I think it's we go back to the offensive line, just hasn't given him enough time. But I want to see more vertical downfield attacking. I think we've just been so spoiled that we forget how good Seth has been. Like, he is about to be on year three. He's in, what, fifth place, I think, career-wise? I mean, yeah, to Kenny's point, he has a chance this year to break the all-time passing record in three years. It's going to be tough to to beat Brady White this year, I think, because Brady had some wild years. I'm confident, barring wild injury, he will beat out Paxton and Riley. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. About to jump into this thing we call Inside the Same Brain. Why well, just kind of talk about something that's on my mind, Kenny Stoffield? Um, I thought about this the other day. Can I, I there was a place, I'm not gonna say the restaurant, not because the restaurant's bad or I don't want to do free advertising. I'm just gonna leave the name of the restaurant out because I don't want this to be taken as a bad experience. But this is a new, relatively new restaurant I wanted to check out in my neighborhood. So I want to check them out. And my plan, Kenny Stubblefield, was to go eat at this place, sit down, and enjoy my meal. And then do some shopping I had to do, right? So I was going to eat, go shop, come back home, buy, get some needs. I need like soap, uh, dishwashing liquid, this type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I had it planned out. So I get to the restaurant, and guess what, Kenny Stover? What happened? The restaurant did not have a dining section. They had like a, they had like a counter, <laughs> but it was a little bit too small of a place. So they just had like, um, like a little small counter like off on the side of the wall and the vibe really, really wasn't giving sit down and eat you understand what i'm saying right and then you out in the outside area <clears throat> i'm not an outside eater first of all in the outside area had like it was a place downtown so it was like you know you know what white people do kenny you know you got dogs and people feeding dogs and tongue kissing <laughs> dogs and feeding the dogs with their hands and this eating man food said tongue kissing dogs eating food with the, feed, feeding the dog food and eating with the just all that kind of like no no I can't do none of this so 
couldn't really sit down inside. It didn't really look inviting for dining in. And it was, you know, white people doing dog stuff outside. So I was like, all right. But then the place also didn't have any just regular drinks. It was all like RC farsy coffees and, you know. You got to tell me where you went now. No, I'll tell you. RC farsy coffees. <laughs> I'll tell you off the air, man. So I had to. So basically, bro, I had to take my food home. Right. So my original plan, like I said, was to eat this, eat at this place and then go do my shopping. So. And not only that, Kenny Stubblefield, I didn't have anything to drink at home. So I had to go stop at McDonald's to get a regular-ass sweet tea because this place was selling all kind of, you know, whatever. You're not an artsy-fartsy fan? No, I'm not an artsy-fartsy beverage guy at all. All right. Not the Starbucks, whatever. Just give me a Coke or a sweet tea. So it's going to be one or two in the morning. Regular old black tea, Kenny Stubblefield. That's right. Not, you know, black Leaf tea, not black people tea. Well, I think but, white, white person tea. <laughs> right. So it was a regular tea, right? So uh, get home. I eat, I eat the food. It was fine. Um, drink my tea from McDonald's. It was fine. Um, but yeah, it just kind of threw off my whole thing. You know what I mean? Because I had, like I said, I wanted, to, I had to go back out again to go to the store, right? So, and it made me think about how much I really hate to get food to go. And I don't know if this is the same, people think the same way I do. I put it on Facebook and a lot of people agree with me. But anytime I go to, I mean, anywhere, man, we're talking McDonald's, anywhere. If I go out to eat, 99% of the time, I'm going to sit down in that restaurant and eat, eat the food. And I know, I see people who will do like, like, um, like, sit, like known sit down restaurant spots and they'll get it to go. And it's just not the same, man. The food just don't taste right to me. When you're getting it to go. Where are, you, where are you at on that, Kenny? If I never have to sit in another restaurant again, I will gladly. I'm totally opposite, man. Exactly. That's why I'm sitting there. That's why I didn't say anything. Because <laughs> me and you were like 1,000% yeah, opposite. There is, my wife is 1,000% a sit down at a restaurant, drink my sweet tea, yeah. eat my food, hang out, relax. Yep. I want to get the hell out of nah. there as soon as possible. I love it, man. I'm going to pull out my AirPods. No, I'm going to be listening to some music. You one of them? Oh, my God. You're one of those guys. Yeah. Good Lord. I'm going to be sitting there watching YouTube videos. I don't watch like Watching the Anthony Sane show. Watching On the Bluff. I'm telling you, bro. Like, I'm... Bro, you bro, you, you might see me anywhere. Like, it, it ain't got to be no sit-down special restaurant. Chick-fil-A in it. But I don't like getting anything to go, man. Mm -mm. It just ain't... Food don't taste the same. I don't like sitting in a restaurant and not knowing who's watching me. <laughs> man, I love it. People people probably say they see me out somewhere everywhere. Because you might see me everywhere, man, for real. I, I know a lot of people like you. I got a friend, like, she she goes to... She'll go to, like, Stony River, like, two two times a week and go get something to go. And drive it all the way back to her house to sit down and eat it. I'm like, no, nah, man, it just it don't even taste right. Like, I like, I like my, and then I don't even think you can kind of give a fair judgment of what the food is if you're getting it to go. Like, if I go to a place that's like new, even if it's a pizza place, man, I, I don't, I'm not gonna judge a pizza place off of delivery or food I got to go. If it's a new pizza place, I'm gonna go there, sit down, eat it, hot out the oven, and then tell you whether I like it or not. Right. Like, I can uh, it's I just enjoy. Eating in restaurants. I like to be served. I tip well. Like, 
No, man. I, I, I will sacrifice the freshness and the newness of food nah. to go home and eat it. No way, bro. Yeah, man. No Where's, way. I want to know where Parrish is on this. Parrish, come up yeah, here to come the on, microphone. Because I, I kind of think I know where Parrish is on this, but I need. <laughs> I want to. I think Parrish is kind of situation, depending on where he is. Or a carry out guy. Uh, carry out. Carry what? Out, man, no way, bro. I don't like to leave. I, I, I always, I'm going to always leave a tip. So mm-hmm. I try not to carry out. I'm trying to avoid leaving tips. All right, so do you? So either one of y'all tip for carry out? Absolutely. I don't. I do. I don't. Oh hell no. I don't. But you don't dine in, Kenzie. You probably feel bad because you ain't never. Tipped. That's right. I don't tip ever because <laughs> I only carry out. No, but I carry out. I leave a couple of dollars. I leave a couple of dollars for carry out because yeah. the cooks, the cooks get a piece of it, right? Yeah. Like a lot of times I've worked, and I don't know if either one of y'all worked in the food service yeah, industry, yeah, yeah. but like. If, if you're carrying out, a lot of those tips don't go to the person ringing it up. They kind of go into a pool, and they split mm-hmm. it between backline workers, yeah. everybody. That's, so that's kind of what I think. Yeah. No, nah, man. I, I, I got to get my food. I got to eat my food hot right there to get the full experience. I got to give me a three, four, five refills. No, nah, man. I got to get the dine-in experience, man. I, I can't stand dude, the it can be experience. It can be checkers. <laughs> if checkers ever let you come inside, man, I would sit out at checkers and eat. Like, it's just, it's just me, man. Like, I... It, and it, and it, like I said, it just threw off my whole morning. Sunday, man, I came in, I came in, got this food, had to take it back home, sit down and eat it, then head back out again to go where I had to go. See, here's the thing, man. There's a spot on my couch that is like not. There's a spot where I sit to watch TV, and mm-hmm. there's a spot where I sit to eat. It's like very carefully laid out, mm-hmm. very perfect. I got a, I got a nice little armrest where I can hold my food. I got a kind of a similar situation going on. Like, that's yeah. I would rather eat there. No. Every meal. I want to sit at that restaurant. I'm a people watcher too, man. Do you people watch? Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, I like people watching too. So yeah. Yeah. You might see me out uh somewhere. I might go to I might go to like sunrise or something in the morning. Do you go and sit in the corner? Like off in the corner and just like what? Well, as a man, that's kind of how I was taught. You right. sit, you sit where you can see everything. Uh-huh. You sit with your back to the wall. Like yeah. you're, you're, mm-hmm. you don't that's yeah. and that's my problem is I don't like being in a place where I can't see everything that's going on. <laughs> right. Like I know right. my house, man. I yeah. know where I live. I know who's there. I, someone comes in there that I don't know. They're probably mm-hmm. getting their ass kicked. Yeah, like, man. People probably think probably people probably think I'm weird because you'll see me anywhere sitting down, and I eat out a lot. So you you'll see me sitting down somewhere in Memphis eating all the time. And I've been out and um, like I may take a phone call or something, or I may be out with somebody, and people be like, "Hey, you're um." This is before I was. You know, with this show, a lot of people watch this on YouTube, so they know right. my face. Right. People would be like, hey, you're, uh, I know your voice from the radio. You're uh, Anthony Sane, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I would get that kind of stuff to happen. But, yeah, man, y'all are crazy. Nah, I'm, man. I'm team dying in, man, for sure. I'm Screw team carry out, go man, back I don't home. Want this, I don't want this steamy, soggy, like, wet food. There's, like, condensation is double down on it. No, I don't want that. This is how weird I am about it, mm-hmm. and we'll finish it off with yeah. whenever, whenever you want to. Well, I'm done. I I will go get a, a pizza, <laughs> and I will bring that stuff back home, mm-hmm. and then I will put it on one of those cookie sheets and broil it to soften <laughs> it to like harden it back up, because I want to eat at home. No nah, man, I love eating out, man, for sure. I love it. I, I'm sorry, man. I love it. You know, I got my two bedroom apartment, and my and my um, the kitchen is just one big room, like the kitchen and where I. Living quarters are all one right. Eat, right. Cook all is all one spot. Yeah. So no, nah, man. I I look. I I try. Yeah. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good because like like when I eat and I gotta throw stuff away, then I got all these big huge to go boxes filling up my garbage can. I'm good, man. I love dining in. 
leaving my shit on the table for somebody to pick up. I'm good, man. Drop it off that tip. I love it. I love it. I love it. But yeah, man. We appreciate you guys coming out today. Shout out again to my guys from Attitude MMA, Scotty Swanger, and my man Trey. He's so manly. Check them out this Saturday, September 16th at the Cannon Center. Go check it out, man. Go check out me at 901 FC, uh, uh, breaking the guitar for 901 FC game. I'm doing that as well. Uh, but yeah, man, go check out, uh, like I said, the guys at Attitude MMA. About to slide about this joint, man, for Kenny Stubblefield behind the glass. For my man, Perry Sharkey behind the glass. This is Anthony Sane. We'll see you guys Friday at noon on the Anthony Sane Show. See y'all then. Thank you for listening to the Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider. We will see you back here next week.